The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State Athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Back-to-back weeks, the quarterback run game gets it done once again. What another showing by Adrian Martinez and his tag team partner, Deuce Vaughn, and that running game, Electric, once again for the Cats, who are now 4-1 overall and a record of 2-0, tied for first place in the Big 12 standings with now the 19th ranked Kansas Jayhawks. Welcome to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, alongside as well, Travion Berkland is going to run the show with us today. 537-1350 is our number. Please, if you want to make a comment, ask a question to either one of us, uh, give us a call. Again, 537-1350. The phone lines are open. They're going to be open for pretty much the whole show other than uh, at 525 when we speak with uh, K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor. But let's uh, let's start breaking down this game here, Wyatt. Beating Texas Tech uh, back at home. Bill Snyder Family Stadium by the final score of... 37-28, 37 to 28. And of course, this is a series that K State has really dominated, uh, you know, well past the last decade. Um, but entering this game, the question, I, the big question in my mind was will we now see some consistency in the offense? Um, and of course, that has a lot to do with, of course, the run, the pass, but also the blocking. Are, are we going to see another great game out of the offense? And I think for the most part, other than, of course, a lull that we had in the second quarter and into the third, uh, the quarterback run game was awesome. It got the game started. It got K-State back on the right track um, with scoring points, big plays. I thought the passing game was fine, even though it wasn't big numbers like the previous week against Oklahoma. And uh, some some run blocking was uh, I thought was a bit improved. We saw, though, a difference in the pass block where you know Texas Tech started to bring a lot of pressure uh, starting with that second quarter and I, I just mentioned a lot there but I know the big topic Adrian Martinez has got some speed that kid is fast <laughs> well you, you did cover a lot of things but what I would say is is I think the consistent part of this football team if you're ster- searching for that to start with through the first five games of the year in a four and one start is the, the rushing attack. We, we saw it again Saturday at a very high level for a second straight time. A lot of this that, you know, you, you, everybody is crunching numbers right now and, and, and combining Deuce's numbers with Adrian Martinez for the Oklahoma and Texas Tech games. And when you have one guy go for 171 and another guy for 170, it's a pretty good day at the office, right? Oh, big time. But, but I do think uh, the offensive line is where you start – from my perspective, with the consistency of the offense so far this season, but especially at a different level in the last two games, uh, I I think that's the obvious part. I do think that K-State's passing game has gotten better. I think it still has a ways to go, uh, but but it has been better. And then I think with, with the defense, I think there's there's imperfections there, but I think all K-State fans probably see the upside of the defense with uh, you know, some pretty good ability there to pressure quarterbacks. They've done a pretty good job against the run. So, so those kind of things are, are 
kind of what sticks out to me so far. In this game with Texas Tech, I think those stood out. I mean, you look at six sacks, you look at 10 tackles for loss, you look at the four forced turnovers. That overcame after K-State started fast and then the lull and then finished fast, overcame that lull, right? And, and to me, that's how I saw the game. The defense was playing very well in the first quarter and also into the second yeah. quarter until you know the offense was starting to go three and out and, and the defense was playing more snaps and Tech started to really get going with its tempo. Yeah, and here's the, here's the thing. Don't know if everybody would have noticed this, but I think most did, okay? You, you make a great point. K-State was rolling early offensively and then kind of started to struggle a little bit because – you know, Tech was doing some different things. But where the game started to turn away from K-State in the second quarter was Tech started to run the ball. Yeah. And when they started to run the ball, that brought the pass game back into prevalence. And all of a sudden, they got in. They were the team with the rhythm and the momentum. And it went from 13 to nothing to 20 to 20 going to the fourth quarter. So give them some, some credit, too. They're a pretty good football team, and I think they're pretty well coached. I think where they put themselves at peril is that they had to blitz so much. <laughs> Every now and again, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna crash them, whatever you want to say, gash them. Uh, and and K State did that. I mean, you, we talked about the 171 yards and the 170 yards. Maybe we should have thrown this in too. Both Adrian and Deuce had 69 yard runs in the game. Yes, they did. Yeah. That's that's getting creased pretty good when you're bringing. Hey, it is what it is. It's great when you blitz, if you get there, but if you don't, it it can ha- it can be problematic from time to time, and it was for them Saturday. And that was a big adjustment that they made because Texas Tech was like, and Coach mentioned it after the game, like, okay, we're just gonna we're gonna start blitzing you. Yeah, we're just gonna start blitzing you, and they were, and they were doing a pretty solid job. I thought of making maybe Adrian a little bit uncomfortable, having him scramble early mm-hmm. uh, on the play. And he was sacked three times. Yep. And K-State had not allowed a sack against a a Power 5 program yet. And Tech got home three times. And uh, so they they started running a little bit more. Deuce was finding some creases. And Adrian, we finally got back to the running game with Adrian late in that third quarter. And that was a, a major turning point. And honestly, you know, I was a little surprised it took that long. And um, really, it started in that second offensive possession. Adrian runs the ball twice on the first drive. It was all him, right? Those 75 yards. He picked up that first 75 really quickly. <laughs> yeah, he did. And then that second drive, he carried the ball once. And that's really, I think that was the last time he carried the ball until the third quarter. Yeah. I was surpri- I was really surprised about that lull. Well, I think everybody was because it was so, so successful. But then once K-State went back to it, uh, fortunately for them, it was still there, and they created some real issues for Texas Tech with that. I mean, you look at, at K-State's drives um, in, the, in the third quarter and in the, in the fourth. I mean, the, the one drive was, was two plays, but, but remember, that's, that's uh, the long run. By dues, right? Mm-hmm. And, but but after that, I mean, you've got you've got K State going. You know that last drive was pretty. They weren't long like they were with Oklahoma, where you had three drives of double digits. But K State was able to get back to to running the football, 
and and to me that's that's where they had their bread and butter. They had they only had 15 first downs and nine of them were by rushing. Mm-hmm. So they were doing a good job of running the football. No, they were. Now I I also thought the play calling got a little bit conservative, especially we saw at the beginning of the or the first three drives of the game where it was like you know third down and and medium and some conservative play calls where it was you know just a handoff to Deuce or that play to to Philip Brooks that didn't really go anywhere like it, it wasn't shots to the end zone it had to be earned at the line of scrimmage and just hopeful for some missed tackles or the best crease in the world to go pouncing into the end zone. You know, th- those kind of things weren't there. And so I, I think that was a difference I would like to see moving forward is those, you know, take a chance to the end zone, give yourself a chance to make a play in the end zone, not have to make the play from seven yards out and break some tackles to get in there. It, it was a bit conservative, in, in my opinion. I think that area where K-State did get into that lull, so to speak, I think this is just my opinion only, but I think the biggest issue during that time frame was they weren't good enough on first down. They were second and long, third and long, several different times, and now you're starting to throw the ball a little bit. You have some three and outs, and all of a sudden you're losing a little bit of momentum. And as we said before, that's when Tech Tech's first drive, I've said this to a lot of people, and they were chucking it all over early mm-hmm. with, with very little success. But in that nine-play nine drive for a score, seven of those plays, seven of the nine were rushes, only two passes. So they started to, to click a little bit there. We were talking on the radio broadcast, and Stan mentioned this even before it started to happen, that, you know, both of those running backs are good runners, and they're good receivers. <laughs> yes, but they, they are. But, um, again, when they started to get some creases in the run game, it certainly opened up everything else. And the way they play in terms of flooding zones, you know, and like, you know, having three guys wide and trying to, you know, get a numbers crunch against the defense, which they did a few times, it, it makes them a little bit harder to slow down. Well, about Tech, first of all, I was impressed with Donovan Smith. Yeah. He he was he I thought he was pretty good. Three fifty nine, that's a number as a secondary for K State. You, you don't want to see they had to see a lot of passes because he threw it forty eight times. He did. There was a lot of reps for that secondary and it was by far nothing close to a perfect day or anything. They gave up some some big plays, but he also threw I mean some bullets down the middle. I was surprised there actually wasn't more passes like directly those short passes right down the middle. I thought those are a little bit fewer than what we saw against Texas. I thought that was going to be kind of the go-to, just kind of attack that middle. But maybe that's more respect towards the linebackers of K-State, that they can make some plays because they've made a lot of interceptions from there in the middle of the field. Uh, I mean, Missouri was a great example of that, about how much havoc they, just by staying home, just staying there and and catching the football by not being seen maybe. But – they have some really talented wide receivers, like you mentioned, and I, they made some tough catches. They did. I, I think probably Xavier White was the guy that stood out more for me, and I, I agree with you. If you watch the Texas game when they beat the Longhorns in overtime in Lubbock, there was a lot of over-the-middle stuff, and, and a large portion of that was to Miles Price. This game was more Xavier White first, Miles Price second, and probably a little more to the outside towards the numbers as opposed to between the hashes, I would say. 
Um, and and I think you know that probably you, you're on it on on some of that with with K State's play in the middle. I thought they did a decent job. Yeah, and well, and at times as well, <coughs> K State in the secondary just couldn't get off blocks sometimes. And, yeah. they, and they were able to turn that five, what should have been maybe five yards into 10, 15, 20. Plus, Sir Roderick Thompson, I also thought, played uh, much better than he did in the Texas game with maybe just kind of creating his own his own space and making some really nice moves. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I was impressed with the way he was able to, to gain some yards. Yeah. K-State got to Donovan with the, three, with the six sacks, mm-hmm. three for Duke and three for Enuduke Uzama. But they also got close a few times and I mentioned that in an interview or two today that you know you don't always have to get there and get him on the ground but you got to disrupt him and and I I think K-State generally speaking there there were several times where they were kind of you know creating some doubt in his mind or making him move a little bit or what have you but there were as you said he threw it 48 times there were times when he was pretty comfortable in the pocket too and made some good throws. Yeah, it, yeah. Y- yes, I totally agree with that. And I, I mentioned this on PowerCat Game Day that my what to watch for would be Kasten in the box against that offensive line of Texas Tech because they give up losses. Mm-hmm. They do. And K-State got back to where they were against Missouri, against South Dakota, where they've now done this three times. They have 10 tackles for loss. This time was six sacks. I thought more of those tackles for loss would just be in the running game mm-hmm. and making plays in the backfield. No, actually more of those was they're trying to throw, and K-State's coverage gave those those rushers some time to get to the quarterback. And I, I was very, very happy by Khalid Duke. His game where he was told before the game that he's going to get a chance to rush the quarterback and how happy that was. <laughs> I, I like him as that ed, edge rusher. And we also saw him backing up Felix on that one side of the field. Sure. That pass rush was awesome on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, he, he's always been a very good pass rusher. There's mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. Um, and probably his strengths are more towards the outside, I would, I would say, in the pass rush game. Uh, and it was great to see him get involved. K State's a little bit of a different animal when he is is playing, you know, more towards the end than than you know the linebacker position, which I think was more the case this time. And that's in part why you saw a lot more of uh, of Gavin Forche too. We haven't talked about that yet, but I think he was okay. He did. All, he's learning. You know, he he came late enough that I think it took some time to kind of get a feel for what he was doing. But uh, and his numbers weren't eye popping. A couple he, of solo tackles. Yeah, but he was in there and and did all right. And I, I don't think K State, knock on wood, is too far away from getting Will Honus back. I don't know if it'll be this week, but 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 I I, I just just conjecture on my part. I, I would think maybe if he's not available for Iowa State, maybe after the bye week, he, he's getting closer. I think. Well, I'm glad you brought that name up because that's a name that really. I think the media has kind of given up on asking about. Sure. Just because well, the, who K-State has been playing with at linebacker position has been very successful. I mean, yeah. Austin Moore, every game has just been a he's, stud. Yeah, he's been he's been really consistent. Uh, I think you appreciate that about he and Daniel, that what, what they do, that, you know, they're pretty consistent with it. And I, to, to me, that's, that's a big deal. Uh, and I, I think there are other guys, too, that are making their way. You know, Desmond Purnell, yeah. I, I mean, he's not a guy that's had a lot of snaps. And, you know, there's still some growth there, but you can see the improvement with him And, and because, I mean, he was a position change guy going from safety to, 
to, to closer to the line of scrimmage in the linebacker position, and he's starting to figure some things out. And he's a really good athlete who can run. So, um, yeah, yep. It's a long process. I'm, I was thrilled with the victory because I think they did a lot of good things, back to the original point, um, and overcame a little bit of adversity. It wasn't easy, yeah, no. e- even though they had a 13 to nothing lead. It may have been a little easier had it been, you know, touchdown, 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 as opposed to touchdown, field goal, field goal, right? Yes. Yeah. I, you, you make I, that a 17 or a 21 to nothing lead. Maybe it's a little different. Maybe not too, but but I'm guessing the chances are pretty good. It'll been a little different. And I don't honestly appreciate the grind, having them have to grind out that kind of ball game at yeah. home against Texas Tech. And I, I felt like finally, I, I, I pre- everybody was predicting game. We felt good about K State winning, like thirty something to twenty something. Finally, our predictions were starting to hit because the last couple of weeks were a little uh, all over the place. But it was an outcome that it, it turned out the way I think it was expected to turn out with K State winning thirty seven to twenty eight. And again, that last touchdown coming at a time where you felt like, well, Texas, it's probably done. It, and it was done by that time as they uh, trailed by three scores. They did recover that onside kick, which, by the way, uh, I, I, forgot, I almost forgot to bring this up. Did you hear on that last interception K-State had, did you hear an early whistle? Yeah, I, you know, there, uh, that was a conversation today earlier. I had not, I guess, realized that that was the conversation about an inadvertent whistle. I did not hear it. Did you? I did. You but did? I, I had heard it. I, I, I found a video on Twitter somebody uh, put out there, and the whistle came actually later than what I remembered. I thought it was – I thought the white hat blew his whistle as Donovan Smith was throwing the football. It turns out it was after he had thrown it, and it oh. was like right before the interception. Okay. So I, I don't think the whistle in any way would change that outcome. It had nothing to do with the outcome of that play. After seeing the video back, I still think it was the right call to go ahead and let that interception stand. Even There was no talk about by the officials um, about an inadvertent whistle. And so I think it played out the right way. Yeah. I really do after seeing that replay. Yeah. After, after hearing that that was the discussion about an inadvertent whistle that I wasn't privy to at the time that this was going on, it makes a little bit more sense. I couldn't. I was having a difficult time understanding what Coach McGuire was was so fired up about, and and this makes some sense now because he was – I mean, he wasn't what I would describe as, you know, off the charts, but he was was a little bit fired up over it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure he heard it. Oh, yeah. I I don't think there's any doubt. Should replay the – yeah. So have a mulligan, pretty much. Yeah. So pretend it didn't happen. And it was a it was an amazing play on a day where we saw some some wild things happening. That ball was well played by Julius Brents. It was. Yeah. And and again, it, the the whistle was right before Julius caught it. It, it does. It wouldn't have changed the outcome yeah. of the play. It didn't. It, there there's nothing that would have changed if there wasn't a whistle before the play actually happened. All right. Uh, once again, our number five three seven thirteen fifty. If you want to call in and uh, ask us some questions, but when we come back, I want to hear what Adrian Martinez had to say to the media after the win on Saturday. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. It is Iowa State Week. Farmageddon is on Saturday, a 6.30 kickoff. Right here on Cayman, we'll begin at 2.30 with Power Cat Game Day. 
Uh, why did you get the memo? No corn this week. Not allowed to eat any corn. Is that right? That's right. I guess I did not get that memo. And Keep the reason the is, is it's an Iowa thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're a big uh, corn producer, but also, uh, here in Kansas, uh, we're the big wheat guys. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm sure farmers probably cutting corn soon, if not now. Sure. Yeah, corn and Milo season getting close, right? Were you a farming kid? Not really. We were farm kids, but farm in this particular case meant more animals than it did. Okay. Yeah, tractors and weed and and that kind of stuff. I lived in yeah. a small town, but uh, of course, <laughs> but um, you know, less than two hundred people. But yeah. no, I I worked for a farmer one summer. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to the Tatikins. There you go. Um, it's honest good work. It, it, well, yeah. at that time, I was a little lazy. Oh, and so they kept me like where like they had like a headquarters, right? Okay, uh, that wasn't too far from the grain elevator, and they would just have me do maintenance stuff around there, keep the lawn mowed, and uh, had me I do see. some painting projects and uh-huh. stuff like that. And, okay, uh, would take me out once in a while to like do something with cattle. Okay, but uh, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> now I would have known what we were doing with the cattle. Uh, I did that a lot with my my uncle had a lot of cattle in those days and that, we we when I was young like that we we worked a lot of them I'll say that I remember uh, long days there there was that one day they took me out to help out with cattle they're like spraying cattle or something whatever they're doing sure. I don't know what they were spraying um, but uh, there was like a couple of cows that may have got out. And so I was like supposed to like stand my ground and not let them through the gate or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the old boss was like, wave your hat in the air and make some noise. I was like, so I thought to myself, what kind of noise am I supposed to make to intimidate this cow? It probably sure, doesn't I been, matter much yeah. as long as you're just <laughs> making some noise to where they're thinking, I should not be going over there. Yeah, that's it's not much more complicated. So I, I started doing this. Thing. There you go. That, that's good. That's good. I think I heard it in City Slickers one time. <laughs> it's Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berkland. 537-1350 is our number. Uh, I did not know this until I read what D. Scott Fritchen wrote in his uh, recap, kcsports.com. Read it earlier today that – Adrian Martinez in his buck seventy one on the ground was a career high. Mm-hmm. I did not. Did you know that during the broadcast? Yeah, mm-hmm. man. I guess I didn't do my homework. I, <laughs> I, I had figured at one point or another he had reached that. I at think Nebraska. his previous high was one fifty seven against Rutgers. If memory, well, actually, I can look. Hang on a second. I can tell you exactly. Okay. Why well, guess when you can tell it, right? Well, while you're looking that up, I do want to mention that. I mean, he his rushing yeah. day was better than what he finished because he was sacked three times. If yeah. you take away the sack yardage that he lost, I mean, he ran for 194. Yeah. Yeah, 157 rush yards in 2020 at Rutgers had been okay. his previous high. So it was a pretty good day. Sounds about right for a game against Rutgers. Yeah. That's, that's pretty mm-hmm. solid. Yeah. Um, so let's hear from Adrian Martinez, who spoke to the media after the game Saturday about uh, his day, about the team's day. On that last run, what, what were your thoughts when you broke through the line of scrimmage? Because there was nobody in front of you. Yeah, so it, it was basically a cover zero defense. And, um, you know, they decided to bring pressure. And when you do that and you might leave a gap open, there's, there's no one left. So it was funny because Deuce was on a route and... <laughs> 
kind of looked at each other and were like, it's just me and you. <laughs> Took it all the way, so. What does it say about Deuce's toughness that he's able to come back in the game, not A, after fumbling, B, after getting hurt, and then still put up all those numbers like he did today? Absolutely. Um, not surprising. I think once we realized it wasn't anything serious, we all expected him to be back out there and um, speaks to his character and his toughness. And look, you know, he's Deuce Fawn. He's going to keep coming uh, game after game. Did you get a chance to see Panzer square up their linebacker on your long run? Uh, I haven't yet, but there's a lot of faith in that. You know, um, you know, we ran that play a couple times against Oklahoma as well, and those guards do a tremendous job. And uh, as long as I stick to my path, get inside him, um, it's good for me. Adrian, this is the second like time we've seen a, a huge play to start the game, obviously the one against South Dakota. Is that a testament to Colin Klein and just his preparation to know to get you guys started with a bang? Absolutely. I, I think it's a key for us offensively to start fast and for this team. Um, and it, it's a good um, tempo setter. It's a good... Um, kind of dictating what we're going to do the rest of the game. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's a testament to Coach Klein and the offensive staff for having some stuff dialed up for us. you feel like you and Deuce are maybe one of the top tandems in the country? Uh, I, I would think so, yeah. I, I'd say for sure Deuce is. <laughs> uh, I'm still working my way there, and uh, it's a process, and, and we will definitely get there. Having Deuce by my side absolutely helps. Quarterback run game really started to get going in the – in the third and fourth quarter. Was that something that you had any input on, or was that all of the offensive staff? Uh, I'd, I'd give credit to the offensive staff, absolutely. Um, kind of recognizing what was there for us and uh, hammering home, you know, finding a way to get it done. You and Deuce, after that run you had and you were both running together, you're so far away from everybody else in the team, kind of had a moment there at the, at the goal line. What did you guys say there? Shoot, I, I couldn't tell you, but it's really cool that, you know, he was that excited for me, you know. This team just wants to win. And, you know, I think right now I'm, I'm getting a lot of the touchdowns, a lot of some of those carries, and Deuce doesn't seem to care at all. He just wants to win. And it's really powerful, powerful stuff for me. But why has the QB keeper or whatever you want to call it been so effective the last yeah. two games, you think? Uh, I just I just say our offensive line, really getting downhill. And, you know, we talked about those guards. Um, those kickout blocks are huge. And reading those things and, and running hard, it's all part of it. You know, and, and even Deuce's runs. I mean, those guys have a mindset and aggressiveness and uh, really turned it around for us when we were stalling out. They were obviously blitzing you there a lot after the quarterback run game. Was that kind of, kind of a counter to that? Um, yeah, in, in, a, in a sense, for sure. And, you know, when you do blitz and pressure that way, um, you know, you, you may connect or you may give up a big play. So that must have been the risk they were willing to take. Coach Kleiman said he was pretty uh, hard on you guys at halftime. What was the message there? Yeah, he was fired up, and I think rightfully so. Especially offensively, we, we stalled out and didn't take advantage of those opportunities the defense gave us. It should have been a much different ball game, in my opinion. So he was fired up. He thought we needed to show more, needed to, to find a way and, and go out there and, and play harder, you know, and, and I definitely agreed with him. And I think our guys really responded well to that message. Was that a matter of losing focus or, or just all the way around kind of getting conservative? Uh, I wouldn't say losing focus. Um, you know, I, I think a couple things didn't go our way. We stalled out a little bit and uh, we played a great first quarter. But the second quarter, I, I think we uh, relaxed a little bit, you know, and you can't do that. You can't do that in this league. Um, can't do it against a good opponent like Texas Tech is and uh, have to keep our foot on the pedal. When they're tracking you, Ren, what, what's your top speed when you're out there in the open field? Um, you know, I'm intrigued to see what it what it is uh, after after today. But my top speed, you know, in off season and whatnot, was 
a little over 21. I was asking Phil that. Have you finally conceded that you might be in the foot race? Yeah, you know. Today, so. Shoot, doors closed. I, I think we're both pretty darn fast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no secret that K-State does have some speedsters. and can scoot. They're in the backfield, and I love that read option. And also, that you know, the option play that they were setting up that Adrian ended up scoring on to make it a three-score game – you know, do set it in post game as well. It's a pick your poison. I would hate to have to be that linebacker or whoever it is that has to make that decision. Do I go after the best running back in the Big Twelve? Some say the nation, including me. Or do I go after this quarterback that has incredible speed and just burnt the hell out of Oklahoma? Which one do I decide to go after? This is tough. <laughs> it, yeah, it is tough, and it's not an easy choice. It, it's more about what you're reading, really, than the choices that you put out there, and I think you know that. But in this particular case, we saw again Saturday, like we did with Oklahoma, both guys, when they you know, do their little jump cut or, you know, as people say, you know, get their foot in the ground and make their move, it it is most difficult, even if you have a decent angle on them, uh, to to get them down. And and that's that's uh, a huge advantage for K State. I'm like you. I I was just looking at Adrian's game by game rushing here. I mean, it's been pretty consistent with the number of carries I mean, we're looking at 13, 13, 13, 21, and 12. The 21 was at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. where there were more opportunities because of K-State's pace. But we're looking at 39, 52, 59 yards in the first three. But then, astonishingly, 148 and 4, 171 and 3 uh, in the last two weeks. So it's it's pretty obvious that you know he's kind of taken it from – what I'll describe is mid-third gear to fifth. And uh, he's getting better every game. The numbers are getting <laughs> higher every yep. game. So yep. if that tells you anything, this game against Iowa State, who, you know, if you watch the KU game, that run defense is tough. Yeah. They're good. Sure. So, uh, I mean, if, if, if he was able to break out anything like he had against Texas Tech, including big plays and the yardage, I mean, that is a gigantic success against a team like Iowa State, where Jalen Daniels couldn't do a thing. Yeah, KU um, had about what two hundred and fifty total yards. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was it, not much. No, and it was. It was. I mean, you don't see very many fourteen to eleven games in the Big Twelve. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. You just don't. Well, I tell you what. Uh, when we come back, I do want to. I do want to uh, talk. You know, last week, this last weekend in the Big Twelve, because we also had a rematch. Of last year's Big 12 championship, KU hosting Iowa State. There are a lot of big ones. A lot of big ones that started now set a tone to how the Big 12 is now going to be developing as we continue on as we reach the halfway point of the season. More to come. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider continues. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Travion Berkland is across the glass with us. 
537-1350 is the number to call. If you want to also send us in a question via Twitter, you can. At Mitch the Four is where you can uh, DM me or comment on my previous tweet about what you want to ask us here on the show. Now, before we get to last weekend in the Big 12, I got to say, Wyatt, um, seeing some highlights from the game. Si fue la primera y ahí está corriendo Adrián Martínez. Mira. Se ve como es eso. Eso. Vamos. 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 Yeah. Aterrizaje de los. Eso. Hacía falta. Hacía falta. Otra. Otra. Ima, eso. Es como se juega otra grande jugada. Mira. So for the first time ever, K State had a Spanish broadcast for a game. Yeah. And uh, I'll bring this up with uh, when we talk to Gene Taylor at 525, but this is from Tico Productions, and they're out of Kansas City, is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And they have teamed up with K-State to bring three games to us in Spanish. This was the first one. And this game happened to be broadcasted play-by-play-wise by a K-State freshman uh, who's doing, of course, uh, on-air work for 91.9. Is, and I'm sorry, JP, if I'm saying your last name wrong, but JP Cardenas was on the play-by-play. I'm not sure who was on the color, but I'm going to guess that he's a K-State fan. I would assume, um, just based on what we heard. He was very happy. <laughs> uh, with Adrian could not run fast enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on that 69-yard touchdown run, but uh, I, I, I thought I thought that was really awesome. That that there's now this opportunity for bilingual students, sure, you know, for Spanish speakers, if that's your if that's your first language, to be able to follow along with a broadcast yeah. for K State athletics. I, I I told you off the air, and I would like to be able to say this on the air that for me, the more exposure that K State athletics can get from all avenues is a great thing including this it is a little i mean some some may look at it and go what they're doing what but it, it's it's really good with that exposure i mentioned to you off air too and i'll say this on the air i would like for all of everybody listening or or what have you to be listening to stan and i but with regard to the fact that and understanding and respecting the fact that people love watching the games on television, okay? I get it if that's if what that's what you want to do. So to me, there you know what's the old saying? There's no such thing as bad publicity. Kind of goes along with this, you know. Mm-hmm. All of those types of of avenues of of exposure are great for Kansas State. Period. End of story. No doubt about it. And they're going to be doing uh, a couple of more games. Yep, two more. Uh, a couple of home games, that is. October 29th, it's Oklahoma State, and uh, November 5th against Texas. I don't know if it's the same broadcast crew or if they're going to be yeah, I don't know that either. But finding some other guy? Yeah. I don't know, yeah. yeah. But, uh, that's for Gene Taylor, 525. We'll see if we get some more information <laughs> about that. Plus, I need to know like the whole Cheez-Its story. Uh, was there really a bunch of Cheez-Its that showed up at, at Veneer? Do you know about that? Uh my my understanding was yes, okay. uh, and this was uh, I guess their it's the Cheez It Bowl sponsorship of right. the bowl game itself, and they pick a Big Twelve team of the week. I guess is is the way I understood it. It's a national team of the week honor. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so that was for Oklahoma. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. it was. TCU yeah. won um, this this, this week's honor yeah. for beating Oklahoma, yeah. which so it's uh, whoever beats Oklahoma then. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Who does Oklahoma have? Oh, Texas. <laughs> Texas has a chance now to uh, up in the Sooners and get a whole bunch of cheese. It's for free. Uh, but I do want to start with Iowa State and Kansas, and KU won fourteen to eleven to ex- extend the record, a great record that is a five and zero and a and a, an incredible start for the Kansas Jayhawks. But I, I will put it this way. KU should have not won that football game. A freshman kicker for Iowa State missed three field goals. And I believe they were all in the second half. I'm not exactly sure. I wasn't able to watch the whole game. I started watching it about the third quarter. Um, but that is, uh, I, I thought that was also a great example of how good Iowa State's defense is. Because Jalen Daniels has been running all over the yard in the previous four games. That's right. And he not, did not, not this time. do it this time. No. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he rushed eight times for nine yards. Gilbert, the aforementioned field goal kicker, yeah, Jace, missed, right. yep. missed from 38 in the first quarter, Okay, then from 45 in the fourth, and from 37 in the fourth. And those kicks were at 11.26 of the fourth, and, and obviously with just 27 seconds to, go, seconds to go that could have sent the game to overtime. It was a tough day for him. It was a tough day, though, for Iowa State rushing the football, and I think that's that's what you have to look at here. They rushed 30 times for 26 yards. Yep. Wow. I, yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> K-State fans, what you just heard, keep that in mind for Saturday. Sure. It's not going to be easy running yeah. the football against Iowa State. Now, Daniel Hyshaw Jr., he, he was the one that got hurt in the game, right? He Correct. had to be carted off the field. It was right. very, very serious injury. Who had 28 yards on eight carries? Yeah, and and that's a. I mean, fortunately for Kansas, they have some depth there with Devin Neal and and um, you know a couple of other guys. But Hyshaw had been playing really well, and he's a good a good player. So I don't know how serious or how long, but it did not look good. I'll say that. By the way, should mention too that K State or I should say KU, they had 112 yards rushing. You know that game was a defensive game. Just not a ton of yards. Just Which is that compliments to KU? Is that or is that more shame on you on Iowa State? Well, maybe a little of both. A little both. I, I think I think it's pretty obvious. You know, we've we've been talking weekly here. You know how how good Jalen Daniels is, and I think that's certainly true. And and I think KU has certainly improved, and that's played out. Nobody's talked about their defense until now, right? For the most part, and I can. <laughs> They structurally and and the way they are playing, they're they're just better all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also have to say that I think Iowa State. I mean, if you really honestly look at them fairly, they have struggled to run the ball, and it's been a little bit of a challenge to to have any balance in their offense too. They're they're not. It's not like they're chucking it all over the place. You know, they they've been okay. Did Brock get hurt, Drill Brock? Because he only carried the ball, the yeah, okay. one time he got I, hurt. That, that's yeah. what I thought. And and it's an ankle. They were being pretty okay. cautious with him. They were also uh, without a freshman running back that they really really like, and Cartavius Norton. Possible that he could be back this week. We'll see. So they they basically were were down to Eli Sanders, who's a freshman, or Deion Silas, who's a sophomore. Well, losing Brock is. The, I mean, that's that's, that's tough. A, that, it is that's a tough really one. tough. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Let's jump to another game here. Uh, which, by the way, KU now getting uh, College Game Day. 
uh, because TCU with a huge victory. Now they're both in the top 20. Yeah. I don't know if I would have voted KU that high after a game they should have lost. Uh, but they, I, I, I think at this point they deserve to be in the top 25. I'm not going to argue that. TCU certainly as well. They're undefeated uh, because they had just made a Brent Venables defense look like a JV defense. It, it was just completely lopsided in a very surprising way to me. Yeah. I'll give you a couple of numbers. TCU had 668 yards of total offense. 479 at half. Oh my they God. averaged averaged 8.9 yards per play. Yikes. That's just insane. Yeah. That <laughs> what you talk about devaluing the win yeah. for K-State. Now, again, you can say what you want. I think Oklahoma has some issues defensively, but they also lost Dylan Gabriel, their quarterback. They sure did. In ugly the, hit. In the first, yeah, it was an ugly hit. It was a targeting play, and Jamoy sure. Hodge was tossed, you know, kicked out of the ball game and what have you. So it was a long day at the office for them. But I think people are starting to now talk a little bit more about TCU, and they should be because Max Duggan's playing well. They've got a really good running back, uh, or well, a couple actually, Kendra Miller, <laughs> Amari DiMercato. Those, yeah. those guys have been around a while. And they've also got you know receiving threats, and they're they're a little more spread out, a little quicker than they've been uh, with with this coach compared to Gary Patterson. So they're a different look, and we'll see them uh, after the off week down in Fort Worth. Yeah, TCU winning fifty five twenty four at home against eighteenth ranked Oklahoma. The Sooners and Texas are both not ranked, and it's the only matchup. We'll get to that a little later, but it's the only matchup <laughs> in the Big Twelve this weekend that is does not have a ranked opponent, which is crazy. Uh, the other one I wanted to bring up here, we got about a minute and a half-ish, uh, is, was the rematch of the Big 12 championship game where Baylor lost at home to Oklahoma State 36-25. to I think, yeah, Oklahoma State proved that they are really good on defense. Yeah, a couple of interesting things. Uh, Baylor scored first, up 3-0. OSU came right back, led 7-3. But then Oklahoma State got a safety to make it 9-3. They started the second half with a 98-yard kickoff return to make it 23-3. Even at home, just a little too much for Baylor to overcome that. Those special teams, shock plays like that are just that, shocking. And Baylor Baylor never really recovered. Well, keep in mind, Oklahoma State did win the regular season meeting last year between the two. Sure. And then Baylor came back to win the Big 12 Conference against Oklahoma State. At this point, man, I yes, it is a bit goofy to see KU and K-State atop of the Big 12, but it's certainly a long way to go. I think the only fair thing to say right now is West Virginia probably is the worst team in the Big 12. <laughs> well, it I is, think I would give them the nod. Maybe. I'd say right now, you maybe have to do that, yeah. All right, coming up in Hour 2, Wildcat Insider, K-State AD, Jane Taylor, Gene Taylor at 525. We'll talk about, does K-State have the best rushing duo in the country? That's coming up after the break. Wildcat Insider on K-Man. Your local news next.